Hello everybody uh, and Kiora. In today's session, uh, we will present a protocol uh, developed by Ostroads to evaluate the potential performance of rejuvenators when used in reclaimed um, asphalt pavement mixes. We will also talk about a plan uh, for future validation studies to ensure the protocol is suitable for use in Australia and New Zealand. We have more than 200 people registered for today's session. Thanks so much for joining us. My name is Ekaterina, I'm the Communications Officer at Ostroads, and I will be moderating today's session together with Robert Buzatil. Um, Robert is the Specialist Engineer Pavements um, at the Department of Transport and Planning Victoria. He was the project manager for this project. Robert will moderate um, the Q&A part of the webinar. I'd like to start by acknowledging the Treaty of Waitani and Maori as the regional people of New Zealand. I also acknowledge the Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the custodians of the land from which we're broadcasting today. Australia is based in Sydney and today I'm on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. I pay my respect to all this past, present and emerging and their deep and ongoing connection to the land. A little bit about Ostroads, uh, we are the collective of Australasian transport and traffic agencies and our focus is to support our member organisations to deliver an improved road transport network. The project that we are focusing on today was delivered under the Transport Infrastructure Programme, which is managed by Rose Gapi. Um, a bit of housekeeping, our presenter will speak for 40 minutes and then we will have a Q&A session for 15 minutes. The slides and the report can be downloaded from the handout section of your sidebar, which you will find on the right-hand side of your screen. To send us your questions for the Q&A, please use the question icon um, on your sidebar. If your question relates to any particular slide, uh, please include the number of that slide in your message. That helps give context to your question um, and helps us uh, answer the question as best as we can. Also, let us know if you have any technical problems, but just a quick tip, um, if you lose sound or your picture freezes, the issue is most likely with your connection. So closing um, your browser and rejoining the session via your email registration usually helps. This session is being recorded and we will let you know when uh, the recording is available on our website. If you listen to podcasts, you could also find Ostroads um, in your podcast app. It gives me great pleasure to introduce our presenter for today, Jan Choi. Jan is a um, principal professional at the Australian Road Research Board and over the past 17 years he has been contributing to numerous Austroads research projects um, and has been involved in the preparation of over 25 published um, Austroads technical and research reports on bituminous binders. For the Q&A we will be joined by Dr. Robert Burkhardt, a national discipline leader at the Australian Road Research Board. Um, Robert was the quality manager on this project. All right, um, over to you, Jan. Here we go. Hello, everyone. It's Young Cho here. Nice to meet you all. Okay, I would like to um okay. okay yeah, I would like to um start my presentation by introducing the project team. Okay, um the Ostros project manager was Robert Booster and the technical leads were at up with uh, myself as a project leader and uh, Robert Urquhart as a quality manager. Um the, um, the technical input for the project was made by the Ostros Working Group, which includes uh, a fair number of jurisdiction members across Australia and New Zealand, which also includes a number of industry members as for, uh, um, across Austra uh, Australia. Okay, moving on to project background and objectives. It's all about reclaimed asphalt pavement, known as REP. Um, Australia and New Zealand road agencies purchase about a billion or so bituminous binders per year. Um, in 2015, about 500 kilotons of binders were used in Australia alone to produce hard-mix asphalt. 
So a simple calculation tells us that about 10 million tons of hot mix asphalt material was produced in that year. The reason I'm mentioning about the amount of new asphalt mix produced is eventually this nice fresh new asphalt mix will turn into waste wrap uh, materials. Doesn't matter whether one road lasted 10 years, the other road lasted 30 years. At one point, eventually it will turn into this huge amount of materials will turn into wrap mix materials, wrap, uh, wrap materials, which um, is quite a lot per year. Because of that, adding 10 to 20% of wrap into new asphalt mix is a common practice in Australia and New Zealand. Um, due to obvious benefits like um, reduced consumption of natural resources and reduced amount of construction waste to the landfill, etc. Asphalt, in principle, is a poorly recyclable construction material and hence more amount of wrap, say 40% or higher, can be used if the property of hard-aged binders in wrap are compensated using a softer component. For lower rem mixes, such as 10 to 20% rem mixes, um, using a soft grade bitumen, um, for example, C170 grade bitumen in, uh, instead of C320 bitumen in Australia, may be able to compensate for the hard bind present in rep. For high rep mixes, say 30, 40, or even higher uh, rem mixes, a more effective softening agent than soft grade bitumen may be necessary. This is where rejuvenate has come in, which as a key component towards the increased use of RAP. So what are rejuvenators? The most notable function of a rejuvenator is its softening effect on aged hard RAP binder. Hence, um, these materials were known as softening agent traditionally. Um, because of this, um, international rejuvenator specifications, namely ASTM D4552, typically use includes viscosity tests as a main characterization factor. Uh, based on that, um, a rejuvenator with a lower viscosity may be able to um, soften, may be more effective in softening hard wrap binder than the case of a bit high viscosity rejuvenators. So you need to know certain grades so that you can choose a uh, most appropriate um, rejuvenator product for your purpose. Modern rejuvenators, however, are reported to be able to restore the aging performance and chemical composition of wrap binders comparable to those of virgin binders, in addition to the known softening effect. Now, if, uh, adding these rejuvenators to rep mixes may be able to make the rep binders behave the same as quality virgin bitumen, not only at the production stage, um, but also during service in the long term. So if that's the case, then tr just conducting um, traditional viscosity tests on neat rejuvenator samples will not be able to evaluate these additional benefits. Um, this is really unfair for some superior nice uh, modern rejuvenator which have some additional benefits because just testing it will not tell you whether that rejuvenator is really better than other products. Currently, there are no national, local specification or evaluation protocols available to identify appropriate rejuvenators for use in Australia and New Zealand, particularly for this, for this new type of rejuvenators. And this is the greatest barrier to the use of rejuvenators, preventing more common use of high remixes. Because of this situation, this project, Ostros APT 6247, was conducted as a one-year project during 2021 and 22, guided by Ostros Bituminous Surfacings Technical Group, Asphalt Research Technical Group, and Pavements Task Force. The aim was to develop a national specification guideline for evaluating rejuvenators in terms of their potential performance, uh, including long-term aging performance in asphalt-containing wrap. Because we believed this will lead to an increased acceptance of rejuvenator, which in turn allow higher wrap content in new asphalt mix, which eventually means that we will use more wrap, which promotes um, you know, the sustainability you know, issue, isn't it? Yeah. So the project outcome was an Austro's technical report, uh, as shown in the right-hand side of the corner. 
which you can download from the Oslo's website now. Yeah. Um, the report includes information on literature review of international practice and test methods used to specify rejuvenators and in particular to evaluate rejuvenator performance in the long term. Uh, and the big chunk of the report uh, was spent to develop the Austro proposed Austro's evaluation protocol and all the um, behind technical discussion uh, to come up to a proposed form of a protocol. And uh, it's a pro proposed protocol, so we, I have, we have suggested several ideas to conduct future work that is needed to complete the protocol development work. The project started by um, investigating what is the current status of rejuvenators in Australia and New Zealand. That investigation was conducted by conducting a survey, national survey, uh, in around July 2021, which involved all the major asphalt manufacturers in Australia and New Zealand, and of course, um, jurisdictions across different states, and also local government. Uh, just a list of main findings of the survey. Um, remixes are widely used. Um, remixes are widely used in Australia and New Zealand, and the practitioners overall agreed that rejuvenators are essential for high rep content mixes. Um, it can you can use rejuvenator even as low as 20% rep, but the most almost certainly you need to use rejuvenate from about 30%, um, which indicates that for about 40% rev or higher, you will definitely need the rejuvenator. Okay. Even though this was the case, rejuvenators are not commonly used. They know it's good, but it's not used. Why? Um, main concern were uncertain effects on rejuvenate on binder mix performance and the lack of specification guideline or, or guidelines that can evaluate the potential performance of rejuvenators. So in this situation, it appeared that the solution is quite simple. Let's develop a performance-based based specification for rejuvenators so that users can procure products that will perform on the road. But is this possible? That is going to be a big question, isn't it? Yeah. So the, um, we conducted a literature review particularly to answer questions like this, is there a performance-based specification for rejuvenator? If not, can we develop? Extensive literature review studies were conducted to determine whether a performance-based rejuvenator specifications can be developed for OSROs. This work included a review of international rejuvenator specifications, namely U.S. national specification, ASTMD 5442, and a number of state DOT specifications, and also specifications used in the Netherlands, Japan, South Korea, and China. And uh, we also investigated the um, specification, in-house specifications used by different rejuvenator manufacturers. Uh, we also looked for uh, European standard or international ISO specifications, but uh, we, we couldn't find any. This also included a review of over 100 research papers to identify tests that can evaluate the potential performance of rejuvenators. If identified, maybe those tests can be included in the Austro's rejuvenator specification so that we can make the specification performance-based. It was an extensive study, but the conclusion was that performance-based specifications based on, based on the properties of need rejuvenators do not exist. And more importantly, it cannot be developed. Because research studies indicated that evaluating the chemical, rheological properties of need rejuvenator is not able to indicate the potential performance of rejuvenators um, in rep mixes. Um, one good example, some rejuvenators showed extreme hardening when, they, when their need samples were aging treated in the laboratory. However, binders, uh, rejuvenated binders using those rejuvenators were not particularly susceptible to aging. Then uh, obviously tells us that the testing 
need rejuvenate sample is is just not related. Yep. And uh, in the case of international rejuvenate specifications, um, we just couldn't find tests that can be that can evaluate the performance of a rejuvenator. This was the case of ASTMD 552, which is also used in the Netherlands and South Korea, and Arizona and Texas DOT specifications. In the Chinese specification, which was identical to ASTMD 552, and the Japanese rejuvenator specification, which was largely based on ASTMD 552. And also in-house specifications used by the following rejuvenator manufacturers, namely Cargill, Inzebiti, Ninas, Ripis, Crichton, JRS. Um, the reason uh, we chose these six products was that uh, at the time of conducting research, these products were marketed in Australia and New Zealand. So we thought we need some, we need to uh, find some information on these products. So let's look at the, what tests are included in the ASTMD 552, uh, which appears to be the most well-known um, international published specification in terms of rejuvenator. It has viscosity 60 degree test, which is obviously the traditional classification property, um, taking rejuvenator as a softening agent. So you need a different grade, different grade of um, um, rejuvenator so that you can choose um, a, a appropriate product for your own you know, mixed design. It includes flashpoint tests, that is to exclude rejuvenators that are overly flammable. It includes mass loss tests, which is to exclude rejuvenators that are overly volatile or fuming. So these are all safety uh, issues, sa safety related issues. Okay. And includes safe, uh, specific gravity at 25 degree test, which is to facilitate product purchasing so that you can convert volume value to weight, weight value or weight value to volume value, which are often necessary uh, when you um, deliver these samples, these products to the site, things like that. It includes some interesting tests like the saturate test, which are used to exclude paraffinic petroleum-based rejuvenators, um, simply say waxes which are generally believed to be detrimental to the performance of bitumen. However, STM is uncertain whether saturated tests are suitable for characterizing the properties of non-petroleum-based rejuvenators, plant-based rejuvenators, namely. And uh, mind you that uh, modern rejuvenators you can get from in the current market is that there are lots of plant-based plant rejuvenators. So that means uh, this, this test is not good for the performance um, indicator. Okay. It includes viscosity ratio tests after RTF40 rolling thin film oven test, which are used to exclude rejuvenator that are overly susceptible to short-term aging. So, well, one, one sense it can be considered as a performance aging uh, sensitivity test. However, I mentioned that studies have found that the hardening of rejuvenator is not related to the hardening of rejuvenated binders. So therefore, it's not appropriate performance uh, test. So there was kind of dead end in terms of testing need rejuvenators. But if testing need rejuvenator is not effective, what about testing rejuvenated binder blend? The idea is fairly simple. Say you have a hard wrap binder here, real wrap binder. You add one particular rejuvenator product you purchased from uh, whatever the company you, 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 that, uh, that was available, and you produce a rejuvenated, rejuvenated binder blend. If the property of this rejuvenated binder blend is almost the same as quality binder, virgin binder with known performance history, at the production stage and also during service in the long term, we have to say that this rejuvenated product that you have chosen must be a good product. So it appears the performance of rejuvenators could be evaluated as part of rejuvenated binder blends. This means that a simple property specification like the ASTMD 552 is not enough. 
uh, a more comprehensive evaluation protocol is required to provide information on many things like um, how to prepare refinder blends, how to prepare age sample, what are the performance criteria in each step, etc. The European and US binder rejuvenator RepMix experts also sold the same, and they have recently developed the rejuvenator evaluation protocols. The main principles of the two um, oversee protocols were essentially the same that uh, rejuvenators are evaluated as part of binder blends. Protocols include an evaluation of the aging resistance of rejuvenated binders, binder blends. I mean, obviously, the purpose is to evaluate the rejuvenator, but doing this one by testing rejuvenated binder blends. In terms of aging resistance testing, they utilize, they, should I say, they propose to utilize rolling thin film oven test for short-term aging and pressure aging vessel test for long-term aging. It was thought that a rejuvenator evaluation protocol could be developed for stroke, largely based on these uh, um, existing uh, principles, these principles, but with some changes made so that it would be more appropriate for stroke use. So what kind of changes are needed to come up with an OSTROS version of protocol? So this involved a fair bit of technical discussion, um, input from BSTG, ARTG, and PTF feedback, uh, so that we can decide, um, you know, what kind of, what, uh, what, what, uh, which decision we have to make to come up with OSROS version of protocol. Um, I will talk about this one, but this one is only for some important technical issues. Um, there are many other issues in there, but due to time constraint, I uh, thought I just only present uh, some major decisions made by the Ostros working group. Uh, first one, say, I mentioned there are two different protocols. They, they have the same principles, but the specific details in protocol are quite different. So we had to choose one method so that we can based on one particular protocol. Um, Ostro's technical group opinion was that um, the European protocol would be a better basis, um, which is presented in the RILEM technical recommendation uh, document. Reasons that we chose the European protocol includes that the European protocol is simpler as it primarily involves testing of binder blends. The US, US protocol requires testing of binder blends as well as asphalt mixes. If two approach works about the same, then uh, we, the common sense tells us that uh, using a simpler approach is better. The US protocol was developed based on their PG specification, uh, known as ASTO M3, M320 specification. The PG grading system uses a test and binder classifications that are not readily interchangeable with bitumen specification in Australia, which is um, Australian standard 2008. So that was the one of the reasons that we chose the European protocol as the basis. Okay, so we have chosen the European protocol as the basis for Ostros protocol, but uh, that protocol was developed as a batch-to-batch remix design tool. So we looked at whether we could use this one, but the Ostros technical group indicated that this approach would not be practical due to a, due to a significant amount of testing required, um, for example, aging of rejuvenated binder, then testing age, uh, each of the aged samples and many other steps involved. And conducting those for every batch remix design was simply so to be that practical. So um, the project team and the OSRO's uh, working group members came up with a two-page scheme um, so that the time labor intensive aging assessment work on rejuvenator is conducted only once, once per rejuvenator or per year, depending on which way we, we are going to go, as part of phase one. So the phase one process, you can call it rejuvenator approval step, rejuvenator product approval step. In phase two, then focuses on individual remix design, remix production using the phase one approved rejuvenator. Another important decision, technical decisions made for the development of Ostros protocol 
was whether we should use the European Remix Design Principle or the Austro existing Austro's Remix Design Protocol. To determine rejuvenate optimum dosage for mixed production, the European protocol primarily utilized test results in the range between 25 and 28 degrees. Uh, let's just call it a low temperature approach for now. Uh, they adopted this low temperature approach as the high temperature approach, namely um, approach that are based on softening point or viscosity at 6 degree property can result in adding too much rejuvenator to a red mix, which will lead to an in undesirable reduction of the overall structural capacity of the pavement. That was the European reason that why they uh, focus on high or uh, lowish temperature. Uh, although Austro's technical group in principle agreed with this rationale, adopting the European protocol requires um, fundamental changes to the current Austro's red mix, mix design procedure, which uses the DSL complex viscosity 60 results as a main uh, dosage selection property. The um, procedure the specific procedure is the, uh, described in the Austro's test method 193. Another benefit of using the Austro's um, the, the, the dosage selection pro uh, procedure is that the amount of rejuvenator to be added to an asphalt mix is simply determined by using a blending equation, which is included in the test method. Obviously, using this blending equation using an Excel chart is much simpler than the European protocol for which um, samples of binder blends at different dosages needed to be prepared and actually tested one by one. So Austro's technical group consequently suggested, suggested an alternative approach that utilized the existing Austro's remix design procedure but uses higher target viscosity range than the equivalent virgin mix. Uh, let me give you an example. Say you want to produce a remix equivalent to C320 mix. The target complex viscosity the 60, range, range, uh, 60 degree range is to be 300, about 300 to 500 pascal per second. The range, this range is in fact higher than the viscosity at 60 degree range specified in Australian standard four version C320 mixes. Um, it's about 20, 260 to 380, uh, 380 pascal per second. This was intentional. By targeting to higher viscosity at 60 degree range than specified, we expect that less amount of rejuvenator would be added to remix which was the main reason why European protocol uses, on, um, uses the 25 degree approach. So uh, we thought this could be an effective method that we can uh, satisfy the, um, the European rationale, using, uh, or rationale of using low temperature test property while retaining the simplicity of using existing Austro's rep mix design procedure. So with um, these um, technical issues have been discussed and decide to what to do, we could propose an Austro's evaluation, rejuvenator evaluation protocol, which looks like this. Um, it's divided into phase one and phase two system. Phase one includes initial quality control assessment step. So basically you choose your uh, rejuvenator product and uh, conduct a range of ASTM type tests on rejuvenator. Uh, only three tests in this step. Viscosity at 60 degrees, just to be reported. Um, flashpoint for safety. Mass change after RTFOT, just to make sure the, um, your rejuvenator is not overly fuming. And the um, specification limit is uh, shown in the slide. Uh, just uh, at the moment, this is proposed value, which may be adjusted depending on how, what, uh, what result we get uh, for the um, during the validation study in the future. Uh, next step, uh, we obtain a sample of conforming C320 in the case of Australia or penetration uh, grade 50, 70 in the case of New Zealand to use as a reference between both this particular assessment step. Next, um, we conduct a compatibility assessment on a blend of 85% of bitumen, the, the bitumen that you just chose, 
and 15% of rejuvenator, the product that you just chose, using the Ostro's PMB segregation test. It's a published test method um, known as ATM 108. Um, there were some issue discussions about whether we need um, compatibility assessment step because um, uh, a rejuvenator product having a compatibility issue with vitamin wasn't a very widespread issue. Um, there were not much report that oh you know rejuvenator suddenly segregated from vitamin that never happened. But uh, still, as a basic safety check, we thought um, oh this is a simple um, pre. Uh, testing step in in phase one like this is a very uh, good, um, very worthwhile uh, testing step, which doesn't take too much time. Okay, now let's move on to the aging assessment step, which is more interesting and uh, more comprehensive. Um, you chose the reference bitumen. Now the subject, uh, the bitumen you chose to RTF 40 and PAB aging and measure the DSR complex viscosity at 25 degree and 60 degree property after each changing step. And use the sample of the reference bitumen that was just subjected to aging treatment using PAV and take that as the standard rep binder in this assessment protocol. So now you have a rep binder. Um, add rejuvenator to the standard rep binder at three different dosages in order to interpolate a dosage that would be required to match the binder balance property to those of the reference bitumen using the DSR property information. Um, let me give you the illustration of what this process is done, how this process is done. So you have um, rejuvenated binder balance at 5% and you have certain value on the DSR test measurement. And you increase the rejuvenator dosage, then obviously the binder will get, blend will get softer, so you will have a lower, lower complex viscosity. And do the same for the 15 degree dosage, and obviously they'll have a lower, uh, even lower uh, test value. You have three data points that you can put a, a trend uh, line fitting on it. And from that, you can select one particular dosage that matches the the property of unaged reference that you have chosen for this process. It's a very simple process like this. Okay. Moving on in the aging assessment step. Uh, now you prepare a blend of the standard rep binder and rejuvenator using the dosage that was just determined, um, determined previously. In, the, in this case, I just um, used 8.5% as an example and produce a rejuvenated binder blend. Subject this rejuvenated by the binder blend to RTF 40 and PAB aging and measure the DSR complex viscosity at 25 and 60 degree after each aging step. Now the compared DSR result obtained for the reference bitumen as well as for the rejuvenator binder after each aging step and make sure the DSR properties are not too different between the two values, taking the uh, plus minus 25% as uh, more like an acceptance value at each aging step. Just a question on that 25% one. It's, it is uh, the um, acceptance limit used in the European protocol, which we took as a basis of the Ostros protocol. Uh, and therefore, we thought that this is a good starting value, but um, I think it can be adjusted depending on what we found during the future study. But anyway, so it's a good starting point at this stage. Again, a quick um, illustration of how this process is done. So basically you have a hardening characteristics of your chosen reference bitumen at unaged after RTF40 and PAB. And with more aging, obviously the DSR test binder will get steeper, so the DSR value is expected to go up like this. And you basically do the same thing for your rejuvenated binder after each aging step. And just make sure that um, the value is not too different to the reference performing bitumen. Uh, so rationale here is that uh, if a rejuvenated binder has similar property to the reference binder, performing binder, after each aging step, the rejuvenated binder will be expected to age similarly to the reference binder. That's the rationale behind this selection um, acceptance criteria. Moving on to phase two of the proposed evaluation protocol. Phase one approved rejuvenator can then be used for the rep mix, individual rep mix production. 
RAM mix production, the only undetermined rejuvenator factor is its optimum dosage, which will be dependent on the target mix type rate, rep source and contents, and virgin bitumen chosen for a particular job, which will change every time you change your rep mix design. Uh, for that process, first extract binder from the rep source material you have chosen using the Ostro's extraction method, ATM191, and determine the optimum rejuvenator dosage that would match the DSR complex viscosity at 60 degree of the rejuvenated binder blends to that of the target virgin bitumen grade uh, as per the um, Ostro's rep binder blend design method, ATM193. Now, when you do, you target your complex viscosity 60 degree uh, for particular rep mixes. For example, you want to make a C320 equivalent rep, you have this much viscosity range, C600, you have this much viscosity range. And I already explained that these values are higher than the specified C600 or C320 viscosity range. And I already explained the reason why we do that. Let's move on to uh, future work to complete the protocol development work. Um, for the investigation in relation to um, phase one, uh, for the studies, firstly, firstly need to investigate whether the phase one procedure is viable uh, when real rejuvenators are tested. This, uh, this work would include uh, obtain a range of rejuvenators and subject them to the phase one assessment protocol. Ideally, the rejuvenators chosen for this, this investigation would be the ones that have been used in Australia and or New Zealand. Even more ideally, uh, products utilized in Australian and New Zealand field trials would be, even, would be the best candidates for this investigation. Um, items to be investigated during assessment of phase one could include whether the proposed QC tests like a flashpoint um, viscosity and uh, mass change and their limits are appropriate for typical rejuvenators available in Australia and New Zealand. Whether a standard wrap binder can be readily produced from the reverse virgin bitumen that you have chosen using the proposed uh, rolling film oven and PAV aging treatments. Whether the 25% um, acceptance limit, uh, which was a, um, the, the same value used in the European protocol, is also appropriate for the Ostro's protocol, or need we need adjusting. We may need 20%, we don't know yet. Further investigation relating to page two, uh, future studies uh, in page relating to page two, uh, first need to investigate whether the viscosity at 60 degree approach chosen over the European 25 degree approach would be able to address the risk of adding too much rejuvenator. That was the main reason why the European protocol uses 25 degree property, even though they know they could use 60 degree property. This study would um, include determining whether the higher target complex viscosity at 60 degree range, which I uh, showed in earlier, earlier slides, was sufficient to match the amount of rep, amount of rejuvenator required when rejuvenator dosages were determined at 25 degree for a standard series of vitamins, uh, say C320 or C600. Um, experiments to investigate um, this point would uh, include measurements of the complex viscosity at 60 degree and also 25, at 25 degree for a range of uh, rejuvenated binder blends. These rejuvenated binder blends would be designed to meet the target complex viscosity range at 60 degree, and then uh, would, be to, would be checked to see if their uh, 60 degree designed property, if their complex viscosity at 25 degree results met the complex viscosity at 25 degree range, uh, expected for the standard virgin binder grades, um, which you can get by testing, selecting a number of standard conforming uh, bitumens and conduct the SR test at 25 degree. So you know the uh, what what is the uh, expected value for the um, standard conforming bitumen. 
so there's a way to uh, conduct this um, investigation. Okay, so closing down the presentation with a quick summary and conclusions. Rejuvenators are key components for producing quality rep binder, uh, quality rep mixes, in particular uh, asphaltase mixes with high rep contents. However, rejuvenators have not been widely used in Australia and New Zealand, primarily due to the lack of robust specification or guidelines. Uh, Performance-based specification for rejuvenators would allow wider use of rejuvenator, which in turn would promote the use of high-rep mixes, but unfortunately, such a specification does not exist. So this Osroads project was set up to conduct, uh, to, to develop a performance-based specification for rejuvenators, if possible. Literature review studies conducted for the project found that a simple property specification cannot be developed because the property of neat rejuvenators are not adequately related to the property of rejuvenated binders. It has to be a comprehensive evaluation protocol for which rejuvenators are evaluated as part of rejuvenated binders. The Ostro's rejuvenator evaluation protocol has been developed, um, as I should say, proposed, adopting the main principles of the European and the US rejuvenator evaluation protocols, but with some important changes made so that it would be more appropriate for Ostro's use. The um, draft proposed um, Ostro's protocol includes two pages, page one and page two, Page one, page one is for initial rejuvenator assessment, which could be conducted on a one-off basis or yearly basis for specific rejuvenator product you have chosen. Then move on to page two to determine an optimum rejuvenator dosage for individual remix production using the page one approved rejuvenator. The draft Ostro's protocol currently includes several steps which require validation prior to formalizing the process. Um, so therefore, we have suggested a number of ideas to, to conduct further studies that are needed to complete the, um, the, the protocol development work. Okay, so that is my presentation today and I'm expecting we are moving on to question sessions. All right, so good afternoon, everyone. So yeah, my name's Robert Buzzertill. I'm the project manager for this project, Austroids project manager, and um, I'm here to sort of moderate the questions today. Uh, just having a look to see, oh yes, we've got a few questions, which is great. Uh, so, uh, yeah, quite a few. Oh, that's, that's that's really good. All right. Uh, okay, I'll I'll ask one first. Um, uh, whether and we've also got uh, I don't know if everyone can see we've got uh, Robert Urquhart here, who's was the quality manager for the project. Um, so uh, we'll direct questions to either Young or Dr. Urquhart. Uh, my question's about um, you know what's the if we uh, you mentioned about overdosing rejuvenator. What's you know what's the risk around? I suppose with overdosing, you know potentially what might we see in terms of performance of the asphalt if we had too much rejuvenator in there? Yeah. Hello. Yes, we can no, hear you. Yeah, I'll go the um go to the slide that is related. Um, thirty, I think it is. Yep. Can get a slide thirty, please. Okay, so um, if rejuvenators are essentially a very soft soft binder, so if you add too much soft binder <coughs> to Remix, uh, then then optimum considering various different performance at different temperatures, um, you can you can uh, it can result in uh, an undesirable reduction of the overall pavement structure. Um, 
how do I say, uh, it may adding adding uh, a bit more than optimum can be better in terms of cracking at lower temperature because binder is softer, but that's not the only thing that we need to consider, isn't it? If the, um, the structure of the pavement becomes softer, which means weak, that is even bigger problem than whether we have a uh, slightly better cracking performance or slightly better rotting performance at higher temperature. So taking the overall, uh, overall pavement uh, capacity at ambient temperature, the most important one, uh, we should not uh, overdose the rejuvenator dosage. Okay, all right. So, uh, another question here: uh, Can we use the MSCR test instead of a D, instead of a DSR test, or can we use? Sorry, the question is: Can we use the MSCR test instead of the viscosity sixty test? Because they're different tests. Hmm. Who wants to take that one? Okay, so that that was the question. Yes, yeah, so we've got a question. A question: okay. can, can we use MSCR? Yeah. So you might want to explain what MSCR is to everyone. Yep. Some people might not might not know what that is, and then um, okay. instead of the, uh, the the testing that's being proposed, the viscosity testing, oh. the DSR okay. testing okay. that's being proposed. Sure. Yeah. First of all, the um, viscosity test I mentioned in my presentation are all DSR complex viscosity. So there is no viscosity test involving capillary viscometer test or, or rotational viscosity test, okay? So the, uh, the test I mentioned during my presentation, which was proposed for the proposed Ostros protocol, were all DSR tests. Whether we, use, we should use MSCR. Uh, MSCR is a multiple stress creep recovery test um, developed in the US um, five years ago, five, five years ago as part of their super pavement specification. Uh, MSCR is a DSR test, by the way. So we are talking about the same DSR test. Um, we are only talking about slightly different parameters, complex viscosity versus MSCR. But the main thing is that um, MSCR is a viscosity test if the tested material is viscous material. So we are talking about here, uh, these protocols were developed for unmodified bitumen onir. So therefore, we know that viscosity is, uh, sorry, bitumen, bitumen, bitumen is, non-modified bitumen is predominantly viscous material. So when you're talking about the predominantly viscous materials like bitumen here, it's the same thing. The, the MSCR and the complex viscosity is not too different in terms of rheological uh, meanings of each parameter. Okay, so the answer is that no, no, we don't need to use MSCR. Not that MSCR is any better or anything. We can, but what I'm saying is that the, using the more conventional DSR complex viscosity is sufficient in terms of characterizing non-modified bitumen. Yeah, Robert, okay. I'd just like to add that, yeah, the MSCR test is basically being developed to test um, um, PMBs, whereas the wrap is it, most of the asphalt in Australia's bitumen, and if it's aged a lot, the polymer's probably dead anyway. So what you're really looking at is the viscosity. You don't do, need to do a fancy test with elasticity in there as well, which is what the MSCR test does. Yes, that's right, yeah. Uh, okay. So um, there's a question about why, why are we using a a reference binder instead of just having some viscosity numbers to target? That's a good Why question. Um, sorry? No, yep. Go on, Young. Yeah, yeah, good question because um, uh, the, oh, how say, we want to use a binder that we have, that with known performance history, okay? so. By using a reference bitumen, uh, we are we need to select one um, bitumen, uh, fresh bitumen that is conforming to Australian specification, because um, Australian specification has a number of properties, and the uh, bitumen that is conforming to those specification is most likely very similar to the all the bitumen pro products that we have used over the last 50 years. 
and and with known performance history, between performance in Australia is not too bad, right? So it's a good um, good way of confirming that the the binder that has been rejuvenated is behave almost the same as the um, performing a uh, uh, fresh bitumen that is uh, that is that has known performance history of over 50 years. Okay, that's a, that's why we need to choose a reference bitumen uh, as a um, as a conforming bitumen product. Is that the answer, or is it slightly different? I might add something to that, Young. I think. The reference binder is actually in the comparison of the aging of a ah. of a binder, and and so you, you, how does your rejuvenator binder age compared to a virgin binder? So if you've got C320, you can put it through the um, steps and see how that ages, and you could take a wrap binder and do that as well. The problem is that we thought about this: if you take a wrap binder off the shelf. You don't know what bitumen it's made out of. You don't know what crude. So the aging performance of what do you compare compare it with? The way that we're putting the reference binder is that you know the aging performance of the original bitumen that was in the wrap that way. So you pick one, you see what the aging performance of the bitumen is, you make wrap in the lab and then rejuvenate it. And you've you've got that baseline to see what the bitumen that the wrap came out of, how that would age, and that's the reason we put the reference binder um, in the protocol. Okay, no, that's good. Um, uh, yeah, we've got no, we've got time for a few other questions. Um, so there's one question about um, using FTIR to look at the chemical. Properties or chemical change in the binder when you with them without the rejuvenator. Um, Any comments on that? Yeah, what we've found we've done quite a bit of comparison with FTIR and um, say rheological viscosity tests. What you find is the rheological um, uh, tests are a lot more sensitive than the FTIR. You need quite a amount of oxidation of a binder, like changing the viscosity from 170 to 10,000 pascal seconds before you start seeing it in the FDIR tests. So by doing a rheological test, it's a lot more sensitive. And particularly with the cases of these rejuvenators, some of the rejuvenators have bands where the, the peaks for the bitumen are. And there were several studies that tried to look at the FDIR changes um, due to oxidation. And because the rejuvenators were interfering, they just gave up. So whereas rheology doing complex viscosity tests, you won't have those problems. Someone's asking about abbreviations. So you want to tell us what FTIR stands for? Um, FTIR stands for Fourier Transform transfer Infrared Spectroscopy. It's a yeah. spectroscopic technique. You basically put infrared light on it and different chemicals absorb different colours of infrared light. I don't know if that makes it clearer or not, but okay, <laughs> sorry. No, 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 that's good. That this, um, yeah, there's a lot of acronyms, so we'll try and be a bit clearer. Uh, we've probably got, we've got an interesting one about um, uh, the protocol uh, relies on viscosity 25 and 60, and um, why, why, uh, why wouldn't we use, say, a, a binder test that relates more to fatigue or cracking performance? So can we explain you know, if there's a correlation between the viscosity of the binder as assessed by the protocol and fatigue or cracking? So, so you know, what, why, why, um, why, why wouldn't we look at why? a binder test that more relates more to fatigue rather than oh, okay. the viscosity? Well, um, uh, the main, main point is that we have used the European protocol as the basis of the Austros protocol, as I'm sure I made it clear uh, during presentation. And the, the, the DSR complex viscosity is the, um, or complex modulus, is the parameter that was chosen by the European uh, protocol. Now, the, um, there was some 
2010 around. Um, there were very um, comprehensive study by I forgot it's either it's a RILEM or it's a binder committee in the Europe. Uh, they published a very comprehensive um, correlation study um, about in 2010. The, I remember the conclusion of that document, the European uh, Eurobitume, Eurobitume document, I think it was, uh, was that the four simple binders like bitumen conducting conventional tests like softening point, penetration, which equates to um, complex viscosity anyway, uh, is enough for, um, for in terms of performance. There was, I remember there was the performance. Introduction of more complex performance tests like um, maybe for example like MSCR type tests are applicable for polymer modified binders. But uh, the, here we are talking about non-modified bitumen, so therefore they appear to be simple DSR complex viscosity, which again um, goes to penetration, things like that. The conventional and appear, appear to be uh, simple and conventional properties are performance related. That was the conclusion. So it's not surprising that probably based on that conclusion, European protocol have chosen a more conventional property over other performance related tests that are being studied actively in the world. And I think the other part of that, theoretically, it would be good to use a cracking test, um, but I don't think anyone yet has decided completely what is a good cracking test. There's there's several different ones. There's time sweeps, there's LASs. Um, Young's just had a discussion with the LAS experts in the US and they still haven't completely decided um, how it should be done. Um, so we've gone with the conventional approach, which is currently in the pavement design, which the Europeans and the Americans have chosen, which is basically you're trying to re match the softness of the binder at low temperatures based on the assumption that softer binders crack less. But if we went down a, um, a cracking test result or a fatigue result, which test do we use? And nothing's been developed completely yet. Okay, all right. Um, so we're nearly at the end of the webinar. We've got quite a lot of questions, so um, it's good to see. Thank you, everyone. Um, so those questions that we didn't get to, um, those people who put them in will get back to you, so the presenters will reply to your questions. So because uh, um, there's some very interesting ones, so it's good to see. Uh, Seeing whether we've got time for one more. If there's a if there's a quick one, we can. Uh, question about uh, probably not the actually. Some are oh, about uh, we had a question about temperature across Australia. Will it be different specification for for different states? And um, and it's it's probably the protocol is more to assess. The, the, the rejuvenator and trying to get get it back to a equivalent to an Australian standard, or well, not quite equivalent, right. but yeah. within that viscosity range that uh, Young talked about. So then it's up to whichever road authority to decide what uh, standard, well, what grade they're trying to target. So yeah. the Northern Territory might be trying to target a 320 or a 600, and Tasmania might be a C170 or a, or a 320. If I explain that correctly, Young? Yes, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's I'm a matter very... of choosing which one as a reference vitamin, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So it's it's yeah. it's um it's more about um again that's how the standard works. You pick you pick the greater binder to suit your climate and to suit yeah. the the um. And uh, we have listed the proposed ranges for the viscosity of different grades. So that you can choose whatever suits best for your yes. case. Yeah. All right. Okay. Very good. Thank you very much, everyone. Um, I'll pass it back to Katerina. Thank you very much, Robert, and thanks so much, Jan, uh, and another Robert. Uh, great presentation, really good questions from the audience. Thanks, everybody. Um, I have a couple of slides um, to finish the session today. Um, so we have, uh, as 
just to reiterate, as Robert said, we do have some questions left. We will prepare a written response and send it to everybody after the webinar. Um, we have a few webinars planned uh, on our schedule. Um, you might be particularly interested in two sessions, uh, the webinars on the 14th of February and the 7th of March. So on the 14th of February, we will have a session to provide an overview of the um, fate and availability of passenger car tyres and tyres from um, other than truck sources for road paving operations. Um, and the session in March will focus on the project uh, that updated the current Australia's road deterioration models. Um, so the improved models can predict the impact um, of the wider loading and climate conditions um, observed in Australia. So for more information and to register, please visit um, our website. After we close out today's session, uh, a questionnaire will pop up on your screen. Please take a couple of minutes to send us your feedback. Um, it really helps us to know what you liked or didn't like about the session and what suggestions you have for future webinars. Once again, today's session has been recorded and we will send you the link to the recording uh, when it's published on our website. Thanks again, everyone. Stay well and safe um, and enjoy the rest of your day.